0: Welcome back, Woodchatters. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Georgia. And today we're focusing on building safely with timber in bushfire-prone areas.
0: It's a particularly pertinent topic when you consider national tragedies, such as the Ash Wednesday and Black Saturday fires, and more recently the unprecedented fires over late 2019 and early 2020.
1: Obviously, for people living in bushfire-prone areas, safety is priority number one. With fire authorities and scientists predicting an ever-increasing bushfire threat in Australia, building with fire in mind has become an essential part of responsible construction. This episode of Wood Chat is all about providing education, information and addressing some misconceptions to help these communities build resilient homes.
0: And there are a number of misconceptions around timber that have left some members of the construction industry and the public with concerns that wood is not a safe option for building in areas where the bushfire threat is high.
1: However, this is not actually the case. Today, we'll be discussing what's possible with timber and construction in these areas and what's not. Plus, our guests will share some of the work Forest and Wood Products Australia does to educate and support communities, as well as building and design professionals on these matters.
0: First up, we spoke to Boris Iskra, National Codes and Standards Manager at Forest and Wood Products Australia, to find out more.
1: Hi Boris, and thanks for agreeing to talk with us today. First of all, given the increasing severity of Australia's bushfires in recent times, how safe is it to build homes in these areas?
2: There are no guarantees in building in any sort of material in the event of a bushfire. The best we can do is to try and build our buildings to be able to protect both the the structure or the building and the occupants against a particular level of bushfire attack, but there are no guarantees in any bushfire. Uh, that a structure regardless of material will survive. On that note then, I was hoping that you might be able to just give an overview
0: of that current state of play uh, when it comes to regulations for
2: building with wood in bushfire
0: prone areas.
2: Yeah, uh, when designing a building in a bushfire area, we have an Australian standard, AS 3959, which is construction of buildings in bushfire prone areas, that covers all materials. Uh, that standard is called up under our National Construction Code as a deemed-to-comply document. So if you're building in an area that's declared bushfire-prone, this standard then becomes a document that can be used for design of buildings. So the National Construction Code can also have at a state variation and then also at, at a further level at a local government area there can be additional requirements.
0: So, how should owners go about navigating
2: that? My first response to someone looking to build or design in an area is to talk with your local government authority, yep. your council, your shire, to find out what are the requirements for building uh, in that area. They would then be able to inform you uh, whether or not the Australian standard in its entirety is adequate or whether or not they have any additional bushfire management requirements that you need to adhere to and
0: so then the advice that the local government area would give is that very much based around the bushfire attack level
2: they are um, intertwined so the the Australian Standard AS 3959 is a document uh, that actually enables you to determine what your bushfire attack level is right so the standard has Basically, two aspects to it. One is determining the bushfire attack level. That's all about um, the type of vegetation, the slope of ground, how far you are from that vegetation. So, you know, the further away you are from, uh, say, a forest, the the less heat would be generated or or, or onto your structure, onto your house. And then also where you're building in Australia, we have different what are termed fire danger indices. Um, So in Victoria, it's a very, with our native forests, a very high fire danger, uh, as opposed to you go further up north into Queensland where they have sort of rainforest type areas where there's a lower. Uh, fire danger index. So the bushfire standard, uh, the first step is you work out your bushfire attack level. Then you can look at now how do I build my house and what materials are compliant with the standard.
1: What are some of the common myths and misconceptions around using timber in construction, particularly in bushfire prone areas?
2: We all know that timber will burn in Mm -hmm. in a fire event. The thing with timber products is that we know how they burn in terms of their, their performance in fire. So we can actually design using timber properties to actually meet the performance requirements of the standard. So, for instance, uh, the, the example I give to people, if you go off camping and you have a campfire, you, you need to start with little twigs and branches to start building the fire. But once you put a large log on, onto that fire, it will then start to char. That char then protects the remaining timber and the only way that timber will burn is if you poke at it to break that char away. So timber's mechanism, protection in fire, is to char. So if you build a timber house, a weatherboard house in a bushfire event, you'll need to accept that there'll be some charring but that's about the level of it, the lower bushfire attack levels. As we move up the bushfire attack levels, you end up to a point where your house can be immersed in flames at that level we wouldn't be using timber on the outside of the building but we can do fire rated systems that can use timber products so there's different ways of different applications for timber based on
0: the bushfire correct correct but fundamentally it's 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 not a fair assumption as many people may make the assumption that wood or timber should be avoided in
2: those areas? Look, we know um, how, um, how timber performs yeah. in a fire. It's, it's all about the detailing of our houses and structures. So um, under the bushfire standard, we can actually use a lot of timbers in the lower bushfire attack levels. And maybe I'll just quickly spell out what those levels yeah. are. So the least um, uh, bushfire attack level is known as uh, BAL 12.5. Okay. The number refers to the amount of heat that's given off. The fire. So it's 12.5 kilowatts a square metre. The next step up is bell 19, and then the step up from there is bell 29. Then we move to bell 40, and the last one is bell flame zone. Right. So flame zone, you can imagine, is right up against the forest. Yeah. And where we can literally have flames licking the house. Yeah.
0: And at that extreme
2: then, would there be an appropriate use of timber somewhere in that construction? We can uh, use timber systems um, in, in at that extreme yep. end. Now, now, the first comment I should probably make about building bushfire areas is, is that anything within the envelope of the house, so the timber frames uh, that are used to build the house, any internal timbers such as flooring, uh, cabinetry, Skirtings, architraves, doors, they can all be used. When you're building in a bushfire area, there's no limitation on the use of timber products internally. The yep. focus is on f- looking from outside. What we're interested in doing in a bushfire area is protecting both the structure and the occupants from ember attack and from radiant heat. Um, at, the, at the lower bushfire attack levels, there are approved timbers that can be used for all elements so for wall cladding for windows and doors bell 12.5 and 19 are our common timber species that we can use they need a density there's a density limitation so for wall cladding there's a density of 750 kilograms a cubic meter or greater that wall cladding can go from from your um, top of your wall all the way down to ground level If you stop that wall cladding 400 millimetres from the ground and put something like a fibre cement board or a a corrugated iron above that 400 mils, you can actually use whatever timber you like. At Bell 29, that's where timber in effect cuts out from the way we traditionally install timber weather boards. But there are seven hardwoods that are nominated in the standard that can be used in compliance with the standard.
0: And just breaking off there for a moment, for anyone curious about the names of those seven types of timber, they are Silvertop Ash, Black Butt, River Red Gum, Spotted Gum, Red Ironbark, Mabau, and Turpentine. And with that, back to Boris.
2: So those seven um, can be used at Bell 29, but also can be used at, at the lower Bell levels. Yeah. When we go above the Bell 29 level, From a timber perspective, it's then a tested system. For a flame zone, the wall needs to meet what's termed a fire resistance level. That fire resistance level means that that wall needs to withstand fire for half an hour under a furnace test. Perfect. So it's all
0: in kind of how it's used and what it's used in conjunction with. Correct.
1: How is Forest and Wood Products Australia working with the construction industry and consumers to educate them on how timber can be appropriately used to build in bushfire prone areas?
2: Look, um, Forestry Wood Products um, Australia has a, a program referred to as Wood Solutions. Wood Solutions is a, is a program that uh, that develops up information for the market and for specifiers and designers. So as part of that program, we go out and talk to key design groups, but also through seminars and conferences. We'll go out and make some formal presentations yeah. and talk to people about what the requirements are, and how you can use timber in compliance with that standard. Uh, and the Wood Solutions website itself has a lot of good technical information on there that's available uh, to all designers and, and the general community looking for information about how to use timber. And there is a, a, a calculator
0: even online, is that right, where you can actually do the sort of investigations
2: Yes. area, yes look um so a, a calculator was developed as a means to provide people information about uh, what the bushfire attack level is for where they where they're proposing to build yeah the reason that came about were people were, were um a bit confused about what the bushfire attack levels were in the early days um, so this calculator was developed in accordance with the standards and what the calculator enables you to do is to look at where you're going to build it has various inputs on in the calculator. So I'll say, you know, where in Australia you're building? Yep. And, and then it will assign or allocate the appropriate fire danger index. Then it'll ask you the type of vegetation, the slope of ground, the distance your property is to that vegetation. And um, it will then give you the opportunity to obviously calculate what yeah. the a bell um, is. Yeah. Um, to me, the beauty of the calculator is it not only tells you the bell for that design, but also tell you how far away from the vegetation need to be to adjust that bell. Oh, okay. So if you're in a, this is probably more for people in re- uh, regional yeah. uh, areas where yeah. they've got an ability to move the house a bit. So the calculator might say, okay, uh, you're, you're 10 meters from the forest. So therefore your flame zone if you move that building t- uh, to 20 metres away, you'll drop to bell 40. So you can actually look and say, okay, if I can move it this way or that way, you know, on my property, yeah, I can yeah. modify that bell. We do have a technical design guide uh, for uh, building with timber in bushfire prone areas. Yep. So that's our technical design guide number four, and that provides, goes through all the different bells and all the um, timber solutions for the various bells. It's also freely available, so there's no cost uh, for that guide directly through the woodsolutions.com.au website.
1: How has the education been received by the community and the industry, and have you seen it being applied?
2: Yes, I have. And um, uh, recently, I gave a presentation at a bushfire conference in the Blue Mountains. And um, I had a couple of people come up to me afterwards. And there's one that stands out was an architect uh, came up to me saying, I I really appreciated your presentation, because I wasn't sure that I'd be able to use timber products uh, on my uh, house. And You've really given me some, some great information. So I, that, that's what I find yeah. very valuable yeah. in hearing back from people um, listening to the discussion. To give people the ability to actually build where they want to live. They want yeah. to live in natural environments, which can be hazardous. In Australia, our forests need fire to regenerate. Our forests will always burn, our native forests. It is part of the natural environment.
0: There's clearly a lot being done in this area by FWPA to provide educational resources. We also wanted to speak to an architect who builds in bushfire prone areas to get some insights into what concerns they tend to hear from clients and how they respond. I called Nigel Bell of Eco Design Architects and Consultants to have a chat. How often would you come across a client who might have concerns at the mention of using timber in the construction of a property in what might be classed as a bushfire prone area?
3: Okay, most of my clients come from the Blue Mountains or Central West. And of course, Blue Mountains particularly is exceptionally bushfire prone. Clients come to me with a range of concerns. At the same time, there obviously is an understanding that timber is one of our most sustainable and renewable resources that helps to mitigate the worst problems of climate change and global heating. So it's it's a mixed bag. People yeah. want an interesting house. They often want timber as well as natural light and ventilation and a range of things. But most of my projects are bushfire prone to varying degrees. And increasingly, I'm getting the, the extraordinarily difficult ones, which is perhaps a new house or a major alteration on a bushland block, where the environmental protection legislation says, you know, minimize clearing or you can't clear, you have to uh, maintain bushland quality, you have to do flora and fauna impact statements, that is contradicted by the much more black and white regulations of bushfire uh, resistant construction.
0: So the challenges that you face aren't always from the clients, but often from the regulations that you have to work around in the design process.
3: Yes. The key matter is there is a real contradiction between the bushfire requirements where obviously defendable space around a building is seen as fundamental and the further away the natural vegetation is, the lower your bushfire risk. Now, the trouble is that in the mountains particularly, most residential blocks aren't large And you can't get a big asset protection zone, a big separation between bush and the house. Many projects get caught in regulations, and usually the client has no idea. They've bought a house, and only when they come to someone like me do they realize that all the bushland they love, the trees overhanging the house, that is exactly what the bushfire regulations do not permit.
0: Do you think that wood being a safe and viable option in certain circumstances in a bushfire-prone area comes as a surprise to
3: some people? Yes, to some degree, because most people have little or no concept of how readily timber can be used or not used in a bushfire situation. Yeah. The far-too-simplistic norm is you know, timber will burn, therefore not good enough. That is a very naive position because, as I said earlier, timber is one of the most sustainable, renewable and best resources we have that locks up carbon, gives off oxygen, unlike almost any other building material. So we should be using timbers to the fullest extent reasonable and possible and financial.
0: Do you have a sales pitch, as it were, to win people around and change perceptions around building with wood in these sorts of areas?
3: Well, I'd be pointing out that timbers, hardwoods and softwoods have been regulated for many years. We know what their fire performance is. Even in the back of the Australian Standard 3959, the bushfire construction one, there are two different tables. One talks about bushfire resistant species, of which there is just seven. And then there is a list of 40 or 50 other timbers that can be used, Australian hardwoods, up to BAL 29 without any reservation at all. For many years, the timber industry has been looking at ways of impregnating hardwoods and softwoods anyway to make it further fire retardant than the, the bare timber would be.
0: And once you've presented people with the facts, are they then quite easily went
3: around? Well, yes, certainly. I would always be advocating a full timber frame. I would be advocating the use of selective timber internally. But when it comes to the outside, yes, that's the most at uh, the heart of mm-hmm. and people once they've actually heard the argument, I usually put the standard in front of them mm-hmm. and point out these different tables as we talk through which timber would be the most suitable for their particular bowel rating and their lifestyle.
1: This really is such an interesting and important area. It's topical today and likely to remain so indefinitely. I suppose like many others, I'd always assumed building with wood in areas where there's a bushfire threat would be a big no-no.
0: For sure. It's an easy assumption to make, which is why this work is so important and could really benefit not only the forest industry, but also homeowners looking to either build or rebuild in bushfire-impacted areas.
1: Despite the sombre nature of the topic, we hope you found today's episode useful and that you'll join us next time for more Wood Chat.